2: We're looking at the rest of the huge free agency moves on Rotoviz viz Radio.
0: What's up, Roto-Viz?
2: Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz, joined by the Editor in Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. All right, Matt, still have some uh, free agency moves that we did not get to in the first episode this week. Let's start off with a RotoViz darling, uh, Stephen Diggs. He will be playing with Josh Allen. In Buffalo, what does this move do to his outlook? Is it good, bad, or neutral?
1: I think it's bad. You know, as much as Stefan Diggs didn't like playing with Kirk Cousins, he had, uh, you know, the best two careers of, uh, sorry, the best two seasons of his career um, over the past two years with Cousins throwing him the ball. And now he's going to, uh, you know, to a place that is colder, um, you know, to play with a quarterback who is uh, less accurate. And, uh, you know, a quarterback who's also willing to to run the ball more, uh, you know, instead of throwing it. And so they play in an offense that is, um, you know, just about as run heavy as the offense he was in last year. And, um, you know, he still has some decent pass catching options there to, uh, you know, to steal some targets away. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's all that much of an upgrade, if any. I think it's something of a lateral move and there could be significant downside.
2: Are you sure that this isn't stemming from your love of John Brown and now that you're just worried he's yeah. going to seed some market share? Oh, I'm, I'm certainly not
1: pleased about that, but um, <laughs> no, I, I don't I, like I think it's a bad situation for everyone. Yeah. You know, like Beasley is less intriguing now. Um, John Brown certainly is, but I don't think this means that like Stefan Diggs is about to break loose. You know, especially because he was definitely not. He was due for uh, regression in terms of his, you know, like per target efficiency or, or per route efficiency anyway. So it's especially not good.
2: Right. So we've seen some interesting things in his career, right? We've seen stretches where and some of this had to do with how they were scheming things in Minnesota, not getting the wide receivers too involved, which seemed to be a major gripe of his probably was a catalyst in the Vikings unloading him, right? We've seen those, those stretches when he's been down and then he's managed to offset those, like you said, by being extremely efficient, uh, which is something that I don't think that you can expect outside of that kind of odd situation in Minnesota, where they had to make it a point to get him more involved. I don't think that playing with Josh Allen uh, is an upgrade over playing with Kirk Cousins. Like you said, the scheme probably doesn't help him out that much. So I don't see how you get any appreciation out of Diggs as a dynasty asset in this case, if anything, I think he can only fall down. Perhaps it's a neutral move, but if you're a Diggs enthusiast, like hopefully many of our uh, listeners are, I I don't think that you can be feeling too great about this. So, so like you, I'm not, uh, not too optimistic about this maneuver. Yeah. To
1: put some numbers on this. So over the past two seasons, cousins uh, has had a 69.7% completion rate. Josh Allen has had a 56.3% completion rate. And, uh, you know, like Allen, you know, that first year, uh, he was a rookie, you know, had some struggles. So maybe it's not fair to, uh, to like hold that first season against him. But, um, you know, at the same time, like, can we really expect him to, uh, like how high can we expect him to get in the completion rate area? Like he's not going to get up to 65%, you know, like that's just not the type of player he is. And then you look at Cousins. 7.9 adjusted yards per attempt over the past two seasons, 6.2 for Josh Allen. And, you know, PFF passing grade, Cousins over the past two seasons has an average of 82.3. Josh Allen is 59.7. Like, this is just a horrible situation. If you had to, you know, pick just based on the passers themselves, it's a really bad situation for Stephon Diggs.
2: Yeah, I know. I feel like a little bit of what we have here with the perception of Kirk Cousins is, he got moved around. It was There was a thought at one point in time that, you know, maybe he could kind of make a jump up into that section of being a really good quarterback, which I don't think that he did or ever will do. But as far as the actual passing goes, yeah, I don't know if there's much of a comparison you can draw between the pure passing ability of Cousins and Josh Allen. I don't think that Josh Allen ever gets over a 60, like a 63% completion percentage is the highest you're ever going to see Allen get to. Uh, but let's let's move off of there. Let's pivot to Todd Gurley is now an Atlanta Falcon. Do you like the fit for him in Atlanta, and what's the impact on Edo Smith and Brian Hill? Yeah, I don't
1: know. I mean, okay, in theory, it's a good fit um, because it's a good offense. And, um, and by the way, I want to be sure that we talk a little bit about Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst. Um, But uh, it's so it's a it's a good offense. Um, You know, I still expect them to be able to score a lot of points and to uh, create a lot of yards for their guys. Um, But uh, man, and by the way, I should say uh, Laquan Treadwell just signed, uh, or, you know, signed recently with the Falcons. Uh, And if he becomes the starter, then uh, that would mean they have an offense where each starter is uh, a former first rounder, which uh, is kind of funny. But anyway, they should have a good offense, but um, I just don't have much faith in Gurley's ability to stay healthy. But, um, you know, last year he still was able to get a thousand yards from scrimmage, still had a lot of touchdowns. He's likely to get the touchdowns on a offense that, you know, I think will have an above average number of touchdowns. So, man, I don't know, like on a median outcome, I think you would expect anywhere from like a thousand to twelve hundred yards and eight to twelve touchdowns. But I do think there is room for downside because of uh, like injury risk. So I'm probably staying away from him, but I'm probably too pessimistic.
2: I think that's more or less where I am on Gurley. I do expect though, that there will be a little bit of hyper or or what we'll see as as the summer moves on, you'll see his ADP creeping up in uh, up higher as more casual players kind of get into the fold, which who knows how much uh, that pushes him up in high stakes or FFPC leagues. Um, but let's put it like this: If you see Gurley on the board in round three, which who hasn't, who knows if that's even a possibility? Do you do you draft him if you're in the spot looking for a running back? No, no,
1: I I don't want him in round three. I think okay. it's it's too aggressive. Um, which means I'm not going to get him.
2: You know, right? So you think more or less the downside in this case is outplaying. The upside, because I do think you can make an argument there's significant upside and a decent median outcome, but you, you're perceiving that injury risk to be real.
1: Yeah, I think. OK, so I think the injury risk is real. And uh, I think there's also the possibility that, um, you know, if you're doing drafts now, um, the uh, the Falcons end up drafting a running back in like the third round or something like that. And maybe that guy gets a chance to uh, still touches. Yeah. Um, and then there's also maybe the chance that even, um, even if he doesn't get injured, he's just not that good. And, uh, you know, they start giving more, uh, workload to Brian Hill and Ito Smith. Like, I think there are multiple ways he could fail, you know? Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't want to have that exposure with, uh, one of my first five picks.
2: Yeah. I think that's a perfectly fair way of looking at it. Uh, now we've mentioned Smith and Hill are you expecting them to remain somewhat involved, or is the fact that there's going to be Gurley there and then there's Smith and Hill does that kind of negate them, at least for the time being, as guys that we should be considering targeting?
1: Yeah, I don't like it's it's a situation where I think I'm just going to stay away from in general because I know I don't like Gurley, but that doesn't mean that I really like one of the guys behind him either.
2: Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate as they're both guys that I've had a level of interest in in the past. I think that um, Smith, who I have on a dynasty team, I'll probably be holding unless there's some way to to move for some value. We'll see what happens because there is that that risk with Gurley and the injury. Um, You know, Smith could easily find himself being. Pretty, ve- uh, pretty relevant. Uh, we have a couple more interesting moves to get to, uh, but we're going to take a quick time or a quick little break here for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. online You're online wagering experts. Jimmy Graham going to the Bears who uh, really want to lock down uh, their tight end situation. Um, we've talked about Graham before, definitely on the decline of his career. Does this, does this excite you in any way?
1: Uh, absolutely not. Let's not talk anymore about Jimmy Graham.
2: But, you know, he's going to play that uh, Travis Kelsey role in that Matt Nagy offense. Let's
1: seriously, let's just move on. I can't.
2: All right, let's talk about a much more exciting tight end, and that's Austin Hooper. Uh, he, he's going to be a Cleveland Brown, which is interesting. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's a real step down for him. Um, you know, he's gotten a lot of his production, uh, over the past like two or three seasons, um, because he's been running like underneath routes or like routes kind of in the middle of zones where he's not you know, like he's basically benefiting by the fact that the defense is focusing on Julio Jones and other guys. And he, he might theoretically still have that benefit because, uh, you know, a defense would have to focus on Odell Beckham Jr. or Jarvis Landry, but, um, he's not going to have the benefit of playing in an offense that is throwing the ball at a league high rate. Um, and so I think we should expect, uh, a pretty significant, uh, regression in fantasy production for him. And like, this is, I don't know, like this is uh, like very subjective, but like, I don't think he's a talented player anyway. Like I never looked at him over the past two seasons and thought like, Oh yeah, that guy is a, uh, like a high end tight end one or like, Oh yeah, it totally makes sense that this guy somehow is a top 3 fantasy producer at his position. I just never thought of him that way. And you know, maybe that's a um like a blind spot or something like that, but I just I don't think he's that talented. I think he had inflated production over the past two seasons and I think we're going to see it come back to earth.
2: Yeah, this is a complete disaster. Uh, If you're a dynasty owner of Austin Hooper, you're lucky that he found himself in a great situation. Um, He's an okay tight end. But like you said, you know, he's not a type of talent that is going to translate to anywhere that he goes, especially not um, when he's playing with OBJ and Jarvis Landry, who can take some of the pressure off. But the team also has running back, uh, you know, running back in Nick Chubb. Is Kareem Hunt still going to be there next season? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's still there. So it's kind of like if you're looking at this offense, he's, of the the players we just mentioned, the least talented. Uh, The market share for him cannot be that high. I don't see him scoring a lot of touchdowns. So, you know, you take away an offense that wants to be extremely past-focused. You take away Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, and, um, you know, all of a sudden I think you're looking at a pretty – average tight end here definitely not a top three tight end probably not even a top six so sure you can go ahead and draft Austin Hooper this year but you have to be acutely aware that the Austin Hooper you're getting in 2020 is vastly different than the one we saw last season
1: yeah like I think if uh sort of like in that money ball perspective if you want to get Austin Hooper's production from last year you don't draft Austin Hooper now you uh you maybe draft Hayden Hurst like, I I know there's a lot of um, pessimism around Hayden Hurst, but like he was a first rounder. Uh, he's athletically really similar to Austin Hooper. Uh, he's going to be, I think, almost a one for one replacement in uh, that Falcons offense. I think he's going to get a lot of the targets and the Falcons did just invest a second rounder in him. Uh, I like Hayden Hurst quite a bit this year. All right.
2: Uh, pressing along here. You um, don't have just,
1: anything you want to say about Hayden Hurst?
2: I, I mean, I don't dislike him. Um, I don't know. I just feel like you—you you basically said everything I could say. I think I, you I, dislike
1: him. I—I think—I think you dislike him because he's old. I'll just say, yeah. That. I mean, I, I think, yeah. I think, yeah I think that this, I think it's a like a. Uh, if Rotoviz has some sort of blind spot, <laughs> it is an over reliance on age. Like I'll just <laughs> I'll say that.
2: Okay. All right. No. All right. You, my quick opinion here is, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense, um, but I don't think that if Austin Hooper was still in Atlanta, you could necessarily see the twenty nineteen performance. So you add on to that, onto that, that you're bringing in another player, um. One that maybe he's all right. You know, I think he's probably an average player. And I just don't think that you're looking at anything that if we're talking about tight ends really makes me excited about continuing discussing it.
1: Okay, fair enough. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to continue discussing it for okay. just a little bit longer. Um, okay, I don't think I, I was too strong. I don't think he's actually going to have Austin Hooper like 2019 production this year. But yep. I think he has a shot at it. And right. I, like, I, I think, I get what you're I think saying. he's going to he's going to play those routes and yep. um, he's going to be significantly cheaper. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I like I think he has a real shot of being a tight end one. You know, that's okay. like that's what I'll say. I think he has a really underappreciated chance to be a top 12 fantasy tight end this year.
2: OK, that's fair. Um, can, can we move on?
1: Yes. Although he might be, we we can move on after I say this, which is, which is a ridiculous statement for me to say, Um, but because like he uh, is so unpopular uh, and you know, because people don't really focus on tight ends, like he actually might be, if he pans out, he might be one of the most important players in 2020 fantasy drafts, you know, that, and it sounds like such a ridiculous statement, but think about someone like Darren Waller last year, where like if you had Waller, that was a massive boost to your team. Um, I th- I think you might be able to get something kind of like that from Hayden Hurst. I know that sounds so ridiculous,
2: but uh, it's actually possible. And now please move on. All right. Well, I will just close by saying this is one of those Friedman takes that uh does feel like one that will end up bearing out. So, um. I'm gonna think about that a little bit more, and I think that people out there actually maybe want to. They might want to do the same. Um, I wanted to talk about Eric Ebron, but just in case we don't have time, let's talk about Philip Rivers going to the Indianapolis Colts. How's this look for their receivers? How's this look for uh, T.Y. Hilton? And is Rivers worth getting excited about? Okay, no interest
1: in Philip Rivers whatsoever. Um, T.Y. Hilton, I don't know. I, I mean. I'm worried about Hilton just in terms of the fact that like he's getting older, um, you know, having trouble staying healthy, stuff like that, you know. If he's healthy, I think he has, you know, 1100 yards and I don't know, 5 to 7 touchdowns, which is sort of like his typical TY Hilton season. Um, but really not super interested in anyone yep. in Indianapolis. Let's talk about
2: Eric Ebron. Uh, well, can I just say one thing here? Yes. I yeah, think, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that if you own T.Y. Hilton, it's probably the best time you're going to have the best uh, time that you're going to have to trade him. Uh, I don't think that his value ever gets higher than it does right now. Cash in on, on any Philip Rivers excitement that you can have, uh, because I don't think that you're going to have any situation where he really outperforms what he's been doing. Um so you add in this hype and it's hard for him to be able to get back to an equivalent uh value in a lot of people's minds at least that's, okay. that's my actually, perception actually
1: let's let's talk about that a little bit more yep.
2: but i don't i want
1: to explore that so he had a significantly down season last year like even when he was playing early in the year he wasn't getting a lot of yards he was just getting touchdowns um yep. And so, you know, I think he had like the fewest yards per game maybe at any point in his career except for like his first season or something like that. So, um I don't know if there actually is much enthusiasm about him right now even with the Rivers signing. Like I th- I think if you try to trade him now, you're not going to get that much for him. I would actually probably rather hang on to him and hope that um they have some sort of connection in the first month of the season and then maybe you can try to trade him. But I, I think it's, it's tough either way with his market. I just don't see All many right. people being interested in Hilton.
2: Y- you've swayed me. I actually think what you do is you wait till the camp stories start coming out about their chemistry and then you trade Oh, him. yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think putting our heads there together, we got to the correct, uh, the correct answer there. That's what you're going to do. All right. Talk to me about Eric Ebron. Um, I'm, I'm still
1: interested. I mean, I'm a sucker. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, I, I know I'm a sucker, but... Um, you know, I, I guess one of the big questions is what do we expect out of Ben Roethlisberger? You know, because like if he returns and he's just something close to his typical Roethlisberger type of season, um, Ebron intrigues me because they still don't really have like a a, a super dependable touchdown producer in, um, in Pittsburgh. I think that offense as a whole is going to, you know, be much better than it was last year because, um, because Roethlisberger is back. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. Ebron is still really young. So, I think there's potential there. I think he's going to be super cheap in fantasy drafts.
2: I'm probably more excited about Ebron than I am Hayden Hurst.
1: That's fair. I mean, yeah. he does have, uh, you know, a couple of seasons of like over 700 or 750 yards and like one season of like league-leading touchdowns.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, my expectation is that Roethlisberger um, is more or less going to be like the Roethlisberger that we saw the last time that he played. I think of the expectations that you could have, it seems to me more likely that you get, that type of version of Roethlisberger than a player that is you know drastically depleted which is why I'm still excited about Juju and given the receiving core that they have there I think there is a natural spot for Eric Ebron in that offense so to me he is a starting tight end we'll see if there's much hype that gets generated behind him but um, I could see myself using him on a number of uh, of redraft teams I think from a dynasty perspective this has to even though it's hard to know how much longer Roethlisberger would be playing, I think um, actually probably should help his value. Although I suppose you could say that uh, for some people, if he were still in Indianapolis, maybe it would be higher. I'm not really sure. Mm,
1: yeah. Hard I, to know. I, people, I think it's, yeah. I think it's better in, in Pittsburgh because I think he just wasn't going to get the playing time in Indy. All right. Here's uh, here's a question involving yep. Ebron and uh, some, some other guys we've mentioned. Uh, so Hayden Hurst. And I, I should say here's uh, here's what's driving this question. One, yep. these guys I'm about to mention, I think people are going to have to decide between them uh, in 2020 fantasy drafts when they're thinking of late round tight ends. Uh, but then also, I have all of these guys on uh, on my main dynasty team, so I just want some I want some insight. <laughs> but yep. uh, okay, who do you think? Uh, two different perspectives. One, who do you think offers the most value? Or, or not even value. Who, who do you think will be the most productive out of these five guys this upcoming season? And then who do you like most uh, for the next three years? Okay. Eric Got Ebron, it. Hayden Hurst, Ian Thomas, Johnny Smith, and
2: Noah Fant. Uh, I actually think for 2020, I like Ebron the most. Uh huh. Um, I want to say Johnu Smith, but I, I'm not going to fall back into that trap another time. Perhaps I should, though. We know tight end is a slowly developing position, but I I think that I like Ebron playing with Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh more. In the long term, I still think that I I would go Noah Fant.
1: Yeah, I think so. But, like, all of those guys are, like, upside tight ends. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's the situation where, like... I don't know, like, if you play in a lot of leagues, maybe you kind of spread your exposure around to some of those guys. But, like, I think if you want to get late round tight ends, those are some of the main guys you're targeting. Um, So, yeah, Ian Thomas, uh, you know, is is intriguing. And, you know, he's the guy who's left there um, in Carolina with... Ah, uh, Greg Olson going to Seattle, and uh, I I still like Ian Thomas quite a bit. Me like too. we've seen, we've seen him flash when he gets opportunities.
2: Yep. Um, the the player I do want to talk a little bit about here, or not necessarily Noah Fant himself, but as far as the Broncos go, with what you saw from Drew Locke last season, do you think that Drew Locke is a player they can stick with long term, who can support fantasy receivers?
1: Mm, I mean, I think they should stick with him at least like in another two years, you know, like even even if he plays this upcoming season and doesn't have like all that great of a season, like it's just his first year as a starter. They have to give him another season after that. So um, I think he can be okay. I
2: think he'll be good enough. Okay, that's fair. Uh, We should also probably talk about uh, Emmanuel Sanders going to New Orleans. I forgot to mention that one. Older player. Yeah. Obviously a team that is easy to get excited about a receiver landing in there's Michael Thomas there probably the best receiver in the league who's going to draw a very significant target share but I think you could say even though there you know there's Jarrett Cook, Alvin Kamara, maybe there's some high quality opportunities for Sanders available
1: I don't know I'm not, it's, it's hard to know. Like, I think he will have some, uh, some big games, some kind of like week winning games. Like we saw him occasionally have in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe like one out of every four games, he'll put up like 20 fantasy points or something like that. But I think for the most part, he's going to be a complimentary player. Like I still think it's, uh, Michael Thomas getting a lot of the targets, but I will be interested to see how they, um, kind of divvy up the slot usage, because um, yeah. yeah, Thomas has played a lot in the slot, but that is where I think Sanders is probably the best, but both of them can also play outside. So I'm just kind of curious to see if they will uh rotate them in and out of the slot. and then also like Traquan Smith plays in the slot quite a bit, or at least did last year. And so yeah. like Juan, who knows if Smith is even like their number three receiver this upcoming season. but uh, like I'm gonna be very curious to see how they uh how they allocate all of their slot snaps.
2: Yeah, my thought with Sanders is I'm okay using him in best ball, but as far as redraft go, as as far as redraft goes, we know that the cliff for him is pretty darn close on that horizon. So I just don't think that um, I take the risk that the you know the cliff doesn't come at some point in this season, despite playing with Drew Brees in New Orleans. Uh, we're running out of time, but there's two oh. more players we can. T- oh, did you want there, to rebut
1: that? No, there's one guy that we. Uh we didn't mention last episode when yep. we talked about the Hopkins, David Johnson trade. But okay. We absolutely have to talk about him. And that's Kenyon Drake.
2: Oh, yes, like, yes, yes. I, I mean, this is, I
1: feel like we've been talking about this for two years now. This is why we, like, we just third, got so third off brand. Of charm. Yep. This, this is our moment, you know, yeah. like, yes, like it is. Drake, he's, he's going to be a, uh, a locked in running back one by the time all the fantasy drafts really get here. Like, I think he's already probably a locked, a uh, locked in running back one uh in a lot of the best ball drafts now. And um it makes sense. You know, like he is going to be the guy. He's had over a thousand yards from scrimmage each of the past two seasons, eight touchdowns, uh, and, you know, really negative uh scoring circumstances each of the past two seasons, 50 receptions each of the past two seasons, and in his eight games with the Cardinals, uh, over eight hundred yards and eight touchdowns uh over that sample. Like just fantastic situation for him all in on and Drake.
2: Yeah. You know what? I think that's the perfect way to close this out. So it's a shame that I have to ask this question real quickly. Um, and, and I actually um, love Kenyon Drake going into this, into this season, but uh, Nelson Aguilar going to the Raiders. Is there any sneaky value here in going uh, after Aguilar?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's a shame.
2: <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a shame. You know, I was never too high on him when that draft class when I was initially evaluating it. And then somehow, once he got into the league, I kind of got more interested in him, and now I just don't want to let him go. But uh, it seems like I might have to.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was very much... uh, He seemed like a a Macklin type of uh, replacement, and uh, obviously it just never worked out.
2: Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing, um, Macklin, too, after that, uh, that move never really worked out. So he actually was one of those players responsible for basically killing an entire season of mine (laughs) that's funny so i will always hold that against him anyway um hopefully we have a couple more exciting moves that we can talk about next week that does it for this episode you can reach us uh by email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave Cabin ff and at matt f the oracle thanks to bet online for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it